Welcome to the Better Doctor Project podcast, where we link healthcare providers of all specialties to help us grow and learn from each other to be that much better for our patients. We sit down and talk about the fun things, the big and bright ideas, and we go over tons of practice tips and occasionally cover some pretty scandalous topics. Join us every episode to keep growing to become the best provider you can be. Let's get started. Welcome to Better Doctor Project, where we interview healthcare providers to tap into their experiences so we can turn our challenges into our biggest strengths. We hope today's episode inspires you to take the next step to become who you want to be in practice. I'm Dr. Beck. And I'm Dr. Mack. Let's get started. We are back with Dr. Sean Neff on Better Doctor Project for part two of a series we're doing about how to say goodbye to patients the right way. Today's episode is about co-management. And remember, there are three real reasons why this quote-unquote breakup might occur. Number one, the patient's doing great. They're better, which is awesome. Number two, we might need to co-manage with another provider, which is what we're going to talk about today. And lastly, number three, maybe we're just not the right provider for that patient at the given time. So an immediate referral is necessary. If you flip back to episode three, we actually talked with Dr. Neff about that first one, why we need to say goodbye to a patient the right way because they're better. Maybe they responded really well to your care. Maybe your treatment has to change with them. Maybe they'll come back to you in the future. Trust me, there's a lot of different things this can mean. So make sure you check out that episode if you haven't already for more details. This episode today is about co-management. Believe it or not, this isn't always a common thing in healthcare. It's not exactly fun, right? Not everyone is doing it the way that they should. But why should we do this? Why is it important? Well, we really need to realize that patients need a whole lot more than just us sometimes. And this doesn't matter, you know, whether you're in primary care, a chiropractor, a surgeon, anything. One provider is just simply not enough. And deep down, I think we all know that. How many times have you had somebody walk through your doors with something completely outside of your scope of practice? Do you ignore it? Do you mention something casually and move on? Or do we actually give a recommendation of who they should see for that? Or what about something that walks through your doors that might actually be in your scope, but it's something that you know the patient needs help with elsewhere? We're going to talk about a lot of examples of that in today's episode. The best part about co-management is that it doesn't mean you're getting rid of a patient. It just means that you're doing exactly what they need in that given moment. We should be vigilant about these things, regardless of what specialty we're in. I know my patients really appreciate the fact that even though I'm a chiropractor and I care about their musculoskeletal health, I also care about the non-MSK parts of their health too. Co-management shows your patients two major things. Number one, you care about them, all of them. And trust me, they want to see that from you. And number two, it shows that you play nice with others, which patients really, really appreciate. And let's be real, that's something we should all be doing anyways. So let's dive in a little bit more with Dr. Neff about co-management. Hello, Dr. Neff. Welcome back to Better Doctor Project. How's it going today? It's going great. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Anytime. You already know today is going to be part two about talking about how to say goodbye to our patients and how to do that the right way. Um, Part one, we already talked about when to do it because of something positive. Your patients are doing better. Everything's great and smooth sailing. 
today we're going to talk about part two, which is how to co-manage, you know, when and why do we need to make that referral to add another healthcare provider to the mix? And how can we talk to patients about that effectively? So first off, why do you think co-management is even important? Why does it matter for us as healthcare providers? I never do it. No, um, <laughs> no I, I, think, I think it's super important because there's just no way for any of us to be everything to everybody all the time. Um, I'm really good at the things that I do. There's an old saying, you, you can't beat a man at his own game. Um, so obviously I'm less good at doing the things that other people do um, than I am at doing the things that I do. Makes perfect sense. So in, in your area, you're obviously working at a VA medical center. Um, so you have direct access to so many different fields of healthcare and professionals. What are some of the most common um, relationships involving co-management that you particularly work with? Well, I'm, obviously I co-manage most often with primary care. Um, you know, they send their patients to me um, for uh, musculoskeletal problems, obviously, um, since I'm a doctor of chiropractic. So, um, you know, they send me their, their headaches, their neck pain, their back pain, their, you know, shoulder pain, their, their knee pain. And then I co-manage, you know, obviously a lot of these patients have other comorbidities. Um, you know, I'm not managing their diabetes. I'm not managing their congestive heart failure. You know, I'm co-managing them with primary care or with cardiology. Um, you know, I have a, I have a patient right now who has multiple myeloma that I'm obviously co-managing between myself, primary care, and his oncologist. He came to me because his neck pain had acted up again. He's a patient that I previously seen and discharged. When he came, he had recently had some labs done. Um, and, you know, patients like me to tell them what their labs say. Um, it's usually a while until they see their primary care. And I tend to do a pretty good job of explaining things. So I was going over the labs with him, saw that there was you know, some abnormal things, got back in touch with primary care. And then I went ahead and referred him to oncology. So um, we have a fantastic oncologist who, who did a great job with him. Um, and he's doing so much better now. And it allowed me to keep obviously seeing this patient because he didn't die. So that's a, um, if he had died, then I, you know, would, that would have been an involuntary discharge on my part. So very happy that, uh, that I co-managed him and uh, that he's still around because he's a, a great guy. Well, and what you just mentioned is you made a necessary co-management referral. And that doesn't mean that that patient will never ever need your services again or never right. have neck pain ever, ever again. Yeah. So that's a perfect example of why, you know, in my opinion, and I hope most people, co-management isn't necessarily a bad thing. And I do feel like sometimes it does get a bad rep. Um, sometimes a patient may not be, you know, 100% willing to go through with a co-management referral. You know, have you ever noticed something within a patient that maybe was in or, in or outside of your scope and you recognize they needed to see somebody else? You present that to the patient and for whatever reason, oh, I don't want to see my primary care for that. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with an ENT referral. Um, have you ever had a patient respond in that kind of manner? And how did you handle that? That most commonly happens to me with mental health care, to be honest. So um, I do remember having a patient um, about two years ago who came to me. So during my initial intake, obviously, you know, I do a history and I also screen for depression and suicidality, um, which obviously suicidality is a big problem 
in the veteran population. Um, and during the initial exam, the patient did endorse depression and did endorse um, suicidality. Um, <clears throat> so at that point, um, obviously he still had the condition that he came to see me for, but we also needed to get him in to see somebody um, in the mental health care realm as well, uh, which was something that he was actually very resistant to. Um, and I just had to be exceptionally firm with him and make sure that I had a warm handoff into mental health um, to, to get him um, some help. And uh, he wasn't super excited with me. Um, he did try to uh, backtrack his answers um, and said, well, you know, I didn't really mean that when I said it before. Um, but, you know, I was just firm and let him know that, you know, we had to go ahead and address this, you know, in a way that worked for him or we'd have to address it in a way that didn't, you know, essentially, like, I know you have plans this weekend, so we can either, you know, go ahead to mental health when we're finished with this visit, or you can refuse and we can put you on a 72 hour hold for the weekend. And then those plans are probably not going to happen. Um, and so he did go, uh, go ahead with, <laughs> with the mental health care and, and he actually did really well with it. And I think really appreciated it after the fact, but, um, a lot of people are resistant to, to mental health care. Patients usually resist that referral. Um, even though it's an invaluable tool, I think, um, for lots of things. Um, pain psychology is a great adjunct when, when you're treating pain like I do. Um, but in general, I, I think um, destigmatizing mental health care and, and mental health illness is an important thing we, should, we need to do. But uh, that's one where patients generally tend to resist. That's a really great example of someone who is resistant and even just transitioning and initially starting that care. Have you ever had times where patients are already in co-management with another provider or multiple providers, but maybe they let it slip to you that they're not really being compliant with a treatment care plan from another provider? How do you handle that? Do you address it? Do you bring it up to the other provider? How do you approach that kind of situation? So normally I tell them that they need to let the provider know you know, sometimes it'll be, yeah, I don't actually take that medication, you know, or I don't take that medication in the way that they told me to, or I'm not doing that exercise or, or whatever it is. And I normally tell them like, look, lying to any of us really hurts you. Um, it's inconvenient to us, but the, the end cost of it lands on you because it's your health. We can't help you if we don't understand what's going on. So if you're having problems with the medication or treatment, you need to talk with a doctor who prescribed that treatment um, about the best way to move forward. You, you can't, you can't lie about it. We're all on the same team. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. Have you noticed, I mean, obviously your situation at the hospital is unique again, because all of those providers are down the hall or up a floor from you. Um, but have you found that particular strategies work best? Maybe when you were in private practice, if you did have to co-manage and make that referral, was there a particular strategy that helped you make that bond with another provider or maybe establish, you know, a friendly partnership with that patient? In what way did you reach out? I try to reach out beforehand. Um, and establish relationships with other providers to begin with. 
Um, I think co-managing with somebody that you already know and trust is a lot easier than trying to create the relationship after you need them. Um, so when I was in private practice, I would take gifts over at, at the holidays or something like that. And there was a, there was a primary care group that, uh, my office would have lunch with every month, um, all of our staff, and we would get together and have lunch just to kind of build rapport between our staffs because we had a lot of overlap in patients. So I think establishing those relationships beforehand is the best way to do it. Um, but if you have to establish a relationship on the fly, I think the best thing you can do is keep a patient and their well-being at the center of it because that's really the most important part of your relationship with that other provider. It's just what's going on with that patient and the best way to get to it. And I think, um, you know, if we're all viewing that as the most important part, it cuts out a lot of those barriers to co-management, you know, whether it's, you know, your own ego or your own economic interest or, you know, or, or any of those other things that should be less important than the patient's health. As long as we're all focused on what's best for the patient, then those other things all fall away as secondary or tertiary issues. Right. As an example, I was just talking to somebody about this. Uh, there was a feed online of talking about um, how to treat different forms of vertigo and what that looks like. And a lot of the chiropractors were, of course, talking about how, you know, cervicogenic vertigo is something that we deal with, essentially. Aside from that, if there's some kind of vertigo that we cannot treat, why would we not refer to someone who has more experience with it, someone who does it every day, all day? Uh, we would expect the same regardless of what we do. I, you know, I primarily focus on spinal manipulation, exercises and rehab. I'm going to stick to those, whereas I'm going to refer to somebody who's more likely to do those things on a daily basis. And I was surprised at the pushback. You know, some people, um, again, like you mentioned, for economic reasons, ego reasons, not every provider is completely on board with co-management. Um, what would you recommend to someone who maybe hasn't been open to it in the past but would like to be more involved with co-management? How can they start now if they have no experience with this? Where can they start to implement that into their everyday practice? Uh, I would say the, the obvious low-hanging fruit is just to send a letter to the other providers of the patients that you're seeing, letting them know what you're doing um, with the patients that you share. I think that's the easiest, smallest thing we could all do to help create better communication between providers. And the easiest way to do that on a daily basis, that's kind of routine, would be fax, email. What, what do you think is most common right now? In private practice, I honestly don't know anymore. Um, I'm a little out of that. Um, we're blessed in the VA that we have uh, an overarching electronic health record. Mm -hmm. So you know, any provider that my patient sees can see any notes or reports that I generate. When I was in private practice many, many moons ago, I would fax or mail a letter. Um, I would assume that probably email is more prevalent now. Um, but if you're going to be sharing protected health information, um, Emails is not necessarily always the most secure. Mm -hmm. um, granted, neither is fax, but I, I just don't feel like there's that many fax hackers um, in the world. But uh, certainly, it, I think it seems easy for people to dip in and out of other people's email. Um, so maybe just a regular snail mail letter might be the best way. I mean, how often do you get a, a piece of mail about a patient? I feel like I would open it. Definitely. Certainly has a 
a personal touch for sure. I would love to circle back to what we were talking about, about kind of the reasons why we might be hesitant to co-manage. And I think one of them too, even aside from economic reasons and some of those is just a lack of knowledge of what other providers can do for patients and what exactly their treatment entails. You know, obviously you in the VA, and especially for those who have had the opportunity to do rounds, go through residencies, you get a lot more exposure, I think, in all these different areas um, of the hospitals. But when you're in private practice, it's a little more challenging. And especially for those healthcare professions that don't have that kind of exposure or residency opportunities for everyone, how do you get a better understanding of the main providers that you'll be referring to and have those close relationships with? Um, well, I, I think, like I said, establish the relationship beforehand. So, um, you know, reach out, stop by, visit, you know, ask another provider if you can come in and just see what they do. Um, I always tell everybody, um, you know, regardless, especially, you know, if you're trying to create a referral network, reach out to the people first to find out who they'd like you to refer to them. Human beings have a tendency to, you know, to be interested in their own interests. So I think reaching out and saying, Hey, you know, I have patients that I need to co-manage. What's your favorite thing to treat? And what's the best way for me to get these patients to you is a good way to create that dialogue. Um, And I think it, it leads to them reciprocally asking you the same thing. Um, and then, you know, you start to develop, you know, a mutually beneficial relationship that, that helps both of you as well as your patient, which obviously is the most important part. I love that Dr. Neff. So now you have to tell me what your favorite condition is to treat. Headaches. I love to treat headaches. I really don't like, I don't like treating low back pain that much. Um, low back pain is hard to treat. It, uh, it's chronic and it's episodic and it comes back. And headaches respond really, really well to uh, cervical manipulation. Patients are super, super grateful. Um, it's just so much more fun than treating low back pain. So, <laughs> Yeah, we definitely all have our favorites. That's for sure. I can imagine any provider would. Um, speaking of, you know, things that interest us as healthcare providers, what about patient interest? I know whenever I refer to a physical therapist, instead of just sending them to my favorite person, the first thing I say is, hey, Sue, have you been to PT before? Do you have a PT that you currently trust? And sometimes they'll be like, they'll say, yeah, I, I, I saw somebody for something else seven years ago. I liked him. And I'll say, great, let's find that person and send you right back. Because even though I might have a PT that I love, if they've already had a positive experience with another healthcare provider, why not, you know, keep that relationship going. It might create a relationship for you personally as a healthcare provider, if you're unfamiliar with them. So that's just another way I think to make co-management a little easier. Yeah. And I think that's a great point is, you know, having that intermediary to help create that relationship is one of the best ways. The the primary care practice that we had lunch with, um, our whole relationship began because um, they were one of two primary cares in the county who did house calls um, for for shut-ins. And I was the only chiropractic office in the county that did house calls for shut-ins. So we actually happened to have several patients in common. And one of them said, you need to meet my primary care doctor. You guys would get along great. And uh, that's actually what spurned the relationship. And we ended up co-managing a huge amount of patients 
Um, you know, anytime one of us would end up with a patient, you know, who was in that um, situation, you know, where they, you know, they needed the other person, but they just couldn't get there, then, you know, we would kind of loop in the other provider because, you know, we were providing a niche service that, that wasn't available with most other people. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, having that uh, third person to vouch for you, um, I think really helps, you know, obviously, um, not everybody listening knows this, but uh, Annabelle and I became friends because Rebecca and I were friends and Rebecca and Annabelle were friends. So in the absence of Rebecca, Annabelle and I probably wouldn't even know each other. So um, it would be a sad day. <laughs> Relationships are definitely everything. <laughs> and there's such close degrees of separation. And, um, you know, right now, I think we're feeling that more than ever here as we're dealing with quarantine issues and a whole new set of um, interesting, you know, turf here that we're going over and our patients are all dealing with it too. So yeah, it's absolutely very close knit community and just comes down to treating people like people and creating that human connection. Hopefully by the time this airs, everyone will be like, Oh yeah, that was a thing we did before. And not like a, yes, we're still in quarantine. (laughs) Let's hope so. Well, Dr. Neff, before we go ahead and wrap up part two, um, I want to go ahead and end with um, a story. Do you have, uh, do you possibly have a patient um, that for whatever reason you made that appropriate referral and it, it basically changed their life? You already mentioned one patient with the mental health referral. Can you think of another where that patient, you know, turned back, they came back into your practice maybe a couple months or even a couple years later and it reminded you why that referral was so necessary because it truly changed their life. Um, the one that's popping into my head actually was on a way shorter timeline than that. Um, I had a patient who was referred to me for neck pain, um, which I like treating. So um, he came and naturally he was the last appointment on a Friday. When he came in, as I'm you know, doing the history and doing the review of systems, he mentioned that he was losing vision in one eye. Um, so obviously that changed the kind of the whole arc of our visit. I actually didn't end up doing any neck exam um, because we ended up uh, doing an eye exam instead. And um, I'm not an eye doctor. For those of you who haven't been paying attention, I'm a chiropractor. So, um, you know, I, I did an exam. I, I did a funoscopic exam and um, it wasn't normal. So um, I explained to the patient, look, um, I understand that you're dealing with neck pain right now and you would really like me to do something about that, but your eye problem is an eye problem. Um, and it's an inside the eyeball problem, not an outside the eyeball problem. And I don't do inside the eyeball problems. So I need you to go see an ophthalmologist um, and so, you know, obviously, like I said, it was the last, last visit on a Friday. So I said, here's the thing. I could just refer you to the ophthalmologist, but it's going to take longer for you to get in. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you to our emergency department. I'm going to go with you to let them know what's going on because the emergency room is going to get you into ophthalmology a lot faster than I can. They can't fix your inside the eyeball problem either, but they just get, they get faster access to the front of the line. 
So he understood that. I took him down, put him in triage, talked to the triage nurse, and then went back and talked to the emergency physician, made sure that they all knew what was going on. Um, they were able to get him in with the ophthalmologist Saturday morning. Um, and, uh, you know, they determined that, uh, you know, they had some therapies that could help him, but that in the short term, it, there was nothing that, uh, I was going to do that was going to aggravate his eye condition. So the ophthalmologist actually sent him back to me Monday morning. He was the first patient I saw Monday morning, um, successfully treated his neck pain. And then he subsequently had, um, successful treatment with the ophthalmologist and his vision was restored. So, um, and, and, you know, you had said earlier, you know, sometimes patients end up in the wrong place. I don't feel like he was in the wrong place. I feel like he was probably in the right place because I helped him get to the writer place, um, to, to have his inside the eyeball problem treated. And, uh, I mean, really uh, at, at the end of the day that I think that's the outcome we should all hope for is that when patients come to us, that we are the right place to get them to where they need to be. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a perfect example of what you just said. That story truly encompasses a three-way partnership between you, the emergency department, the ophthalmologist, and how it resulted in that patient getting exactly the care that they needed. Um, so definitely right place, right time. And thank goodness he went to you, a provider that understands the importance of co-management. So excellent. Thank you so much again, Dr. Neff, for coming on today. Uh, we appreciate all of this awesome information and we cannot wait to have you on again for part three coming up. So thank you so much. All right. It's my pleasure. Awesome. Take care. Thanks. You too. Hey guys, Dr. Mack here. Today's episode was a perfect reminder that collaborating on patient care with other healthcare providers can deepen your connection with your patients while making sure that they have the best possible chance for success. It doesn't always mean goodbye. Destigmatizing mental health or other fields of care and creating a warm handoff in a way that works for your patients is vital in the world of today's modern healthcare provider. Plus, making these relationships with other practitioners is fun, and keeping your patients' well-being at the forefront ensures a smooth relationship for all involved. Want to know what else is exciting? This topic is not over. We're going to be back soon with Dr. Neff to discuss part three of this series how to pass on patient care when our treatment goals have not been met. This is a tough topic, but we're confident that after our episode, you're going to be able to take these skills to practice the next time this walks in your door. Also, don't forget our show notes from today's episode can always be found on our website, betterdoctorproject.com. And we can't wait to hear how you put today's episode into practice this week. So pop over to Instagram at Better Doctor Project and let us know via story, via message, via comment. Tell us exactly how you're putting this in your office or your hospital setting this week. We can't wait to hear your story. We loved connecting with you today on this episode of the Better Doctor Project. We can't wait to share our next podcast with you in just two weeks. Same time, same place. Until then, pop over to Instagram to follow us at Better Doctor Project or keep up with us at betterdoctorproject.com. Hey, thanks for listening. To learn more, find us on Instagram or Facebook at Better Doctor Project or check out our website, betterdoctorproject.com. 
Don't forget to leave us a review and share us with a friend. It helps us reach more healthcare providers who are also striving to make an impact. Thanks again. See you next time.